Um, fair enough about the filament of the 813 going too. Anyway, I'll stick it back to you, Jim, and just, just have an over and I'll just tape it and I'll, I'll play it back to you. But um, keep in mind that I'm recording you through the 1155, which is a not a very high-quality receiver for doing audio recordings through. And secondly, um, you are competing with a, a Strength 9 Plus power leak, and you'll hear the power leak when I play the tape back. So um, if you leave about a, a one-second pause before you come on, you'll hear the effect of you know, what your signal does to the power leak when, it, when you do come on. It's quite a good signal now, um, you know, whereas I was sort of having trouble hearing you in the noise before, you're, um, you're pushing the noise back now as you'll, as you'll hear, although the noise is still audible behind you, but you, you're quite solid copy. OK on the comments about the reasons for the 813 and everything. Yeah, OK. Um, I didn't sort of, I wasn't, you know, completely aware of the fact that that you sort of thought the same way that I did as far as uh, underrunning valves, because most amateurs definitely seem to overrun them, <laughs> not underrun them. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, I wonder, just, just that last bit when you went off, you probably got the idea of the, the relative signal strength there, Jim, but I'll, I'll give you a guess meter report. Um, <clears throat> as you say, it's really needed for the for the entire picture. Um, your miles, your miles above what you were f a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago when you first started, Jim. Um, when I was having trouble getting you in the noise, you, you know, you're head and shoulders above that. But I don't think you're as strong as you used to be on um, on the big rig with the uh, the halicles and so on that you used to use. Uh, over at the other place, so um, I don't know what you'd be. You'd probably be about halfway or two thirds of the way um, to getting there. Um, but you know, easy copy, no problems copying you. The band is probably as noisy at the moment as I ever get it. It's quite bad, and I'm very tempted to go and take a transistor radio and go for a walk right now, actually, and go and find out where these confounded insulators are because they're obviously fault conditions whether they're SEC insulators or, or whatever so um, the fact that it makes operating 160 that much less pleasant to say nothing of trying to copy weak CW through it I would never hope um, so that's the guest meter report I'd say probably you're about I don't know probably uh, strength 9 or 10 over 9 on the guest meter and um, I'd say the noise is probably, well let's say you're 10 over 9, I'd say the the frying power leak type noise is, is strength 9 also so you, you sort of, you're a fair amount above the frying noise but not so far that you push it right back to inaudibility but then again I don't know whether you were ever that strong, you're always quite strong, especially on the big rig but you remember I used to be able to copy you, you had a 10 watt rig as well. I think the 10 watt rig you used to use after you uh, got rid of the big rig or something. Now, of course there was quite a difference in signal strength, but um, you were still quite easy copy on the 10 watt rig, you still used to blast across. And of course on the 150 watt rig, well it was just a complete clobbering signal, so there's probably one or two S points difference. Um, in the aerial efficiencies, what you've got at the moment and what you used to have. So, 
Um, I don't know whether it needs more earthing or um, a bit of tuning of the aerial or just wind, winding yourself up a helical. What do they usually do for a helical? I think you wind up a half wavelength, don't you, of wire. Just get a half wavelength of wire and you, you wind it up and it's it's usually too long when you do that, a fraction too long and you uh, you put a bit of varnish or uh, epoxy resin over it and um, cut off the last few inches to bring it up to resonance. I suppose that's what you did the first time. <coughs> but they certainly seem to work quite well. The what, one big advantage of the helical is you don't really need matching units with them because you can uh, get them up to about 50 ohms. The helical plus the earth resistance is usually around 50 ohms if you wind it up with about uh, 24 gauge or something. Anyway, you'd know more about that than I would because I've never made a helical in my life and I know you've made quite a few. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think who's doing the broadcast next week, but anyway, I'll find out, Jim, let you know. No problems. Fair enough on the, uh, like you said, 180 milliamps and so on. And the old TT21s, yeah, they certainly need a lot of drive in zero bias class B. I think I was driving them with about 150 volts or 180 volts peak audio into those tubes in zero bias class B, which is one reason I took them out and put in the 811As, because the 811As only need about half that, about 90 volts maximum to each grid, 90 volts peak, you know, about 60 volts RMS. And that's for full power and, and everything else, which, of course, you don't normally run them to anyway. But um, in spite of the fact that the TT21s used to, used to need bulk drive, they were definitely a better valve for the job than what I've got at the moment. The only problem they had was that um, at full power, running about 350 watts of audio out um, on sine wave, on, on steady tone, which, of course, is a pretty rugged sort of a test, most rugged test you can give them. Um, occasionally they used to suffer from thermal runaway and the anodes would get bright red and you'd turn the tone off and um, the anodes would stay bright red. they just get redder and redder and you'd have to turn the whole thing off and let them cool down. They used to go into some funny thermal runaway condition and I could never work out how it could happen because the... Um, the screen grids were the only things that were doing anything because the control grids were earthed and the screen grids were, um, you know, if you turn the audio off, well the screen grids are definitely at earth potential because they're being fed from a very low impedance um, transformer which has got its centre tap earthed. I mean they are zero bias so I just couldn't work out how this thermal runaway condition um, developed. Quite incredible. It must have been something like um, a little bit of gas coming out of the anodes when they got really hot, a tiny amount of gas coming out and um, providing a conductive path between the cathode and the uh, and the plate in spite of um, in spite of everything being at zero volts in between. I don't know, but anyway, um, that was the only reason I replaced them, Jim, and I've really regretted it ever since because um, they're a lower impedance valve, quite a bit lower than 811As. I think they require about 6K plate load compared to about 12K for the 811As. And um, being a, low, a lower impedance valve, they do tend to remove lo a lot of the problems 
to do with distributed capacitance in the modulation transformer and, and so on. Um, it does allow you to use any given modulation transformer much more um, effectively, much more efficiently, the TT21s. They're still in the modulator, but they're, uh, they're wired up as drivers now. <laughs> they're wired up as great big cathode followers with about 350 volts on the anode and um, just, just wired up as straight cathode followers to, uh, to drive the 811A. So that's the story there. And yes, I am using the 813 still. The old rig. <coughs> You'll have to drop in and have a look, Jim, if you're ever over this way, if you're over at Snowy's or something. Because um, I'm home most days. So uh, you'll see your old rack sitting there with um, the transmitter in it. It's just got um, the bottom section of the rack, about 15 inches of it. It's got um, the modulation transformer in it, which is an enormous thing that um, Ross 3YGV and uh, Jeff 3ZQC built. <coughs> Jeff's just got his call sign the last couple of weeks. Zulu, Quebec, Charlie, so I think Jeff is mainly intending to play around with 6 metres, so we probably won't hear him on 160 or, well, 160, um, on 2 metres. But uh, these guys work in a place that makes transformers, and um, just for the fun of it, they decided they'd make me a modulation transformer. And um, when they turned up with this thing, I was absolutely amazed. You couldn't lift it. It was just too heavy to lift. Jeff carried it in by himself. I'm surprised he didn't get a hernia. Because um, Dave, 3ASE, and myself tried to lift it one night. We had a go at lifting it, and it was as much as we could do. The two was lifting this transformer to get it into the rack. Anyway, that's in the bottom section of, uh, of the rack, that old rack of yours, together with a couple of chokes and a relay. And uh, above that is the power supply chassis, which has got um, all the power supplies in it. Then above that again, there's the um, the RF section with the um, 813 and low-level drivers and so on. Just just an RF chassis. And uh, right on the very top is the um, the modulator, which is a separate unit that slides in and out, just on a tray. So the whole thing stands about um, four foot six high, something like that. So uh, certainly I am using the 813 and um, that sort of gives you probably a run down the rig. I forget now whether you've ever seen it, Jim. I don't think you have. I think when you dropped in here that time, Jim, um, I was probably still using the old rig, which was um, just sitting on the floor, bits and pieces all over the place, sitting on the floor and uh, not in a rack. And I had a, an old bash piece of bent up chassis that had a 640 in the output, I think that was probably back in about 74, no probably even more like 72, 73 when I was using that old rig. I've basically had three rigs on 160, I had the the original rig which was a 10 watt rig using a, uh, a 312, plate and screen modulated 312 running about 10 watts into an inverted L. Then I built up the rig using the 640, 6 stroke 40 with um, the present modulator, except that it had the TT21s in the output. And uh, now I've got the third rig, which is um, the uh, 813, and everything all sitting in your rack, um, with the same modulator, except now it's got 811As in the output. 